Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Up early in the morning. It is Big Sills in for Harry Mays. Barrett Brooks here on the middle. Appreciate everybody coming aboard with us each and every single day here this week as we do fill in here for Harry Mays. So, like, you, you, is Harry's phone on, you think, or off? Does he, when he, you've been around him for a little bit, does he, like, stay in touch with you, or is this Bro, guy just going incognito? When he's off, Harry's off. <laughs> he's not answering the phone. He, I doubt if he even brings his phone with him. I, I know he doesn't bring it to the golf course. But, like, if he's out to breakfast or something, Harry is by no means going to have his phone with him because, you know, he'll probably be around his mother anyways. That's the only person he cares about calling him. His wife is there with him, so he didn't have anybody else that he wants to talk to. He definitely didn't want to talk to me because I'm just going to get <laughs> I ain't going to do nothing but get him on his nerves. I'll come in talking about, hey, man, what's going on with baseball? The MLB, they're not playing yet. I'll, Here you go. Here you go with your BS early in the morning. Why are you calling me on this? I mean, that's how I'd start. That's how I'd start out. Hey, let me, let me, hey, so like when the weekends come, man, unless you're like one of my boys or like you or Xander or somebody, I look at, I look at my phone and I go like this. That ain't working today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's that? What's that? What's that Friday? thing clicks for me man and it's off and i'm off i'm like this nah man that's okay you know big seal's gonna go to the man cave see i love the man cave uh, i've got this like i've got this room where i've got all my stuff i've got my big screen i got all my bs down here behind by the way you know this is my bar over here right <laughs> oh i didn't see the handle i didn't notice it okay you, you didn't see the michelob no, i see <laughs> okay okay i'm lunching <laughs> look man i put my keg right here See this? Look at this, man. <laughs> it's mean, an you know what's funny? I've never shown people that. Yeah, this is my that's my Michelo. That's my tap, man. I ain't got wow. a cake in here yet, but yeah, I put that out there, man. There we go. I'm rocking in my in my bar here. So I got this room. My wife comes down every like three days and checks on me just to see if I'm alive or not. <laughs> hey, you all right down there? Because you know, after 30 years of marriage, bro, you know, it's I tell people this all the time about my old lady, man. I'm like, I've never met somebody I hated more in my life, but I've never met somebody I love more in my life, man. <laughs> <laughs> they know what buttons to push, man. Oh, oh. Um, hey, hey, dummy. Okay. <laughs> I'd be like this. Watch you call me, man. <laughs> I've never, hey, the only person I've ever had rip me more is Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, my captain. He called me this morning. I, I was up early this morning. Like I said, I was up early this morning. In fact, I'm gonna go take a picture of what I was doing up while I was up early in the morning before we, you know, when we come back from break. Uh, first you break. Shoveling snow, <laughs> bro. It was first of all, it's, it's it's 38 degrees outside, and I'm outside working on my truck. I'm putting a new bumper on my truck, and I've been putting this bumper on for the past three. Oh, there go my captain right there, T for tuna. I'm out in the garage, bro, and he calls me early in the morning. Hey, 
you are not going out with Jimmy Johnson until you go out with me in Florida first. I said, you're right, bro. <laughs> I got to get out on the boat with him first. You're right, man. You know, that'll ruin a friendship, bro. You can't, you can't let that happen, man. Hey, you're damn right, man. Hey, <laughs> if you if you cheat on your if you cheat on your boy with fishing right. and you go with someone else, absolutely, man. That ain't working for you, man. Absolutely exactly. not. You're right. Cause you know what? People get watch this. So you're gonna go fishing with him, man. I've been asking you to come out on my boat. <laughs> and you're gonna go down there and you're not coming out with me first, man. I've been begging you to come out with me, man. How many times I've been boys with you? I've been supporting. And you're bro. like, hey, uh, uh, hey. Bro, he's invited me. <laughs> he's invited me twice to go down, man. And every single time I've been working. So if I just find a way to get oh, yeah. down there and 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 and, and oh, oh, so, so you're not working when Jimmy calls you. But Big Seals calls you, but you working when it comes to me, bro. And, and this dude, man, I'm telling you, Tony, man, is the greatest guy in the world, man. He has this thing he calls the cooler. Now, the cooler, not the coolie, but the cooler. The cooler is a um, is his his, his collection of people in his life that huh? owe him favors. And holy and cow, I'm, so he's like Don Corleone. Yes, man, they owe him favors. So, <laughs> I of, of course I'm in his cooler. You know what I'm saying? So I, I mean, I. I owe him also. I owe him a lot. In fact, he's the one that got me in this boat thing, and I, he's cursed me ever since then. Boating is very expensive. Very expensive. <laughs> oh, it is. You know what I'm saying? Barrett, you, 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 you are now in my friendship here. And, <laughs> you know, I may never call on you for this favor, but when that time comes, I right. expect you to serve your dog. <laughs> very good. So, yeah, man. Very good. All right. I, I, I've... Listen, you've performed in Philadelphia. You know the fan base 10 times more than what I ever will. I'm getting to know them more and more each and every single day that I speak to them. I want to ask you this here. And and, and Ben Simmons now is not ready to play with the Brooklyn Nets. And for whatever reason, he is sitting out, Barrett. And the reasoning that he's giving the Nets is because he's still trying to get over the issues that he had in Philadelphia. Now, to me, I think it's because he doesn't want to play against Philly March 10th because that's when the Nets and the Sixers will play against one another. And he's going through this. Now, look, mental health, I'm not going to play a doctor here because that's not what I am. I, I don't know what guys' issues are. I mean, to me, on the outside, I look at Ben Simmons. I think he's soft. I think that this guy here has. You don't made have an to excuse. think that, Big Seals. You ain't got to think that. You absolutely know he's soft. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I want to skirt a little bit, but I do. You're right, man. I mean, look, there. Way to go, Barrett. You make me want to go back into my old days when I'm in the locker room with you. That that dude's soft, man. I mean, it is. And, and, and you know what? He's blaming Philadelphia, and he's blaming the fans, and he's blaming the Sixers for his position that he has mentally right now. Do you think the Philadelphia fan base and the city, why do they get this really tough rap that if a player doesn't perform well, Philadelphia will kill you? They'll throw batteries at you. Michael Irvin, by the way, has nothing but love for Eagle fans, man. He, he You know what he says? That's a merit badge when they're booing you and you're there at Veterans Stadium or they're, they're, they're throwing shit at you. They're saying stuff to you. Michael always took that as a merit badge that yes, it's they, respect. they know who you are. They know exactly. your name. 
But why is it so hard for some athletes to play in Philly? Well, you know what? It's the, it's the old adage my pops should tell me. Same thing and make you laugh, make you cry. Because they're so vested and 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 and, and involved in Philadelphia sports. I mean, this probably this is probably one of the most knowledgeable fan bases as far as watching film. I I bet you can look at um NFL. If you go to NFL.com and you got that package you can get, you can watch film, coaches tape and all that stuff. I can almost guarantee without knowing that, you know, the Philadelphia fan base probably has the biggest stake in it as far as, you know, the, the amount of subscribers to get and watch film because they want to know. So because they're so invested, you're going to get the very best if you're playing the very best. But if you're playing the worst, they're going to let you know you're playing the worst. You can't just have it one sided. They can't just be, you know, patting your back and give you a that board without taking it and, and slapping you in the back or slapping the back of the neck. Give you the A hey, boy, let's go. So you can get a data boy, and you can also get A hey, boy, let's go. And and that's just the nature of how the fans are there. You're because they love the Philadelphia Eagles and the sports so much. I mean, we got rabid fans, even hockey. Yeah, our hockey fly, teams. Fire fans are insane. So because of that, they feel as though they pay your salary. They feel as though they're so vested in, in what you do that you got to go out there. You got to be that dude. So I mean, it's not like it's not like. It's not like you don't get a double-sided. That fan base rallied behind Ben the past four or five years, bro. I mean, they did everything possible to make this dude go to the next level without saying, you know, anything. But then the first time that he turns around, they say something negative about him. He cries, picks up his balls, and goes to New York. That's why they're pissed off. That's why they don't like Ben because Ben gave up on him. He gave up on his team. He gave up on um, he gave up the city of Philadelphia. He gave up on the Sixers, and he gave up on himself. Now, I understand mental health awareness is is at an all time high. I understand that, and I do understand that there is something wrong with him because to be so mentally tied and not being able to go up and dunk a ball because of fear of getting fouled that has to be something wrong with him. That has well, how to about be. this too, Barrett? He's afraid to face the Sixers on March 10th. And by the way, you know, over here in the chat, Chuck it up sports. I do think that that's part of it too. Like you say, they're vested Barrett. I think they really do study, not just the player on the court, on the field, on the diamond, on the ice. I think they do true studying of yes. the team, the, the, where they're going salary cap how much i have never spoken to a fan base let me think maybe boston with the patriots and with the celtics on how everybody dealt because when Kyrie was up there they just absolutely hated Kyrie Irving because Kyrie one day wanted to be a celtic see his name hanging in the rafters the next day he hated everybody there so they were really passionate i would say chicago is also another one of those fan bases but the Philadelphia fan base, every time I say something, Barrett, and I may be wrong on a salary cap number or a pick, hey, no, 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 it's 15, 16, 19. Right. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're right there, which is great because you know what it shows me? They're invested in what we're doing no because, question. you know, we're part of that kind of connection so everybody can speak to it. I'm thinking, man, look at the last two years on what's happened in Philadelphia with two of the biggest stars in sports. Carson Wentz couldn't handle it here. And also Ben Simmons couldn't handle it here. These are two guys that they pushed their chips in, both Sixers and also the Eagles. Eagles gave them that contract maybe ahead of 
ahead of time, right? Exactly. Ben yep. Simmons. How do you draft a guy when you know he quit on his team at LSU? You didn't do your homework. It's, you know what it's almost like? The fan base in Philly did more of their homework on Ben Simmons than the old regime of the Sixers because you look at Ben Simmons when he was at LSU. He didn't even take his team to a 64 exactly. tournament. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 the, and the guy quit on his team there. And he almost he had, they even gave him like a red shirt year for him to be able to play. And then, you know, for, for him to go, well, I'm not ready to play because of what happened in Philly. I'm going, man, I can't believe that that's that on your mind still. You're a net. Bro, look at this. His first year here, he sat out. Not because he was really – he probably could have played, man. I'm, I'm not a doctor. Like I said, I can't say whether or not, you know, he could or he couldn't. But I'll say this. He had a $5 million incentive not to play because if he was rookie of the year, he would have gotten $5 million. <laughs> so all of a sudden he sits out a year, so he becomes a rookie again the next year, and now he's playing, used to being in the NBA now, used to the lifestyle. He goes out and plays, wins rookie of the year, he gets that $5 million bonus. I can't be mad at him for hustling, but I, it just goes to show the mentality he is, who he is as a man, who he is as a player. I mean, come on, man. You you get drafted, you get paid to to, to go out there and, and, and play a game. Man, it's a game in all actuality. It's a game. So why are you so caught up in being in the game? Who, who do you think the fan base was harder on, Wentz or Simmons? Um, bro, I'm gonna tell you the truth. They weren't hard on either one of them until they were ready. Till they said they were gonna go. Oh, this so fans, there was a tipping point where they gave they gave both these guys they gave them the latitude and the diving board. They gave them a and pass. then when these guys decided to dive off it, that's when they went after them. Oh, no question. It wasn't until they said they wanted out of Philadelphia that the fan base turned on them because they were they they were telling people, um, "All right, we got to get Doug out of here because we we, we, we it, it can't be Carson." Until all this stuff started co uh, coming out, uh, Sal Laquito wrote an article talking about you know how how um, Carson Wentz wasn't like a, a team guy. Um, he didn't, you know, he, he he just was, he was too hard to get along with, or he couldn't get along with people outside of his faith or outside of what he felt was morally, um, too morally irresponsible for them. Oh, to be so he brought way. his religion in the locker room? No question. He wears his religion everywhere. And I can't be mad. I like that. I mean, he's a very religious guy. Yeah, but not everybody does like having their religion or their politics in the locker room. And Barrett, as you know, hey, man, I'm a man of faith, too. But not everybody wants that in front of them, taking knees and stuff. I think that also was part of the stuff that hurt Tebow a little bit because there's there's 53 dudes in a locker room. Every guy's got a different personality. Yep. And it's not that you have to cater to those guys. But you got to kind of like fit, fit into that. He didn't. He didn't. Neither one of those guys did. I so mean, they weren't good clubhouse no, dudes. they're the bad clubhouse dudes. They didn't get along with anybody. And when, you, how, when, did, it become, when did it become a, a, a thing? Like, for instance, Zach Ertz and Carson were spick and Steve's. You know, one you know one hand scratched the other hand, um, the other guy's back. You know, they loved each other as far as, you know, uh, out on the field because they got production. Those two were, you know, you know – the best one of the best quarterback tandems they had in the NFL for a long time, for like two or three years, man. I mean, that was his go-to guy. He was their leading receiver. But once it became time to work out his contract and he wanted to get a, a, a contract, instead of 
Wentz jumping on his bandwagon, helping him. He kind of turned his back on him. Like, uh, I ain't going to say nothing. He could have easily went up there and said something to him. He said, no, nah, I'm, I'm not getting involved with that. So do you kinda... think, do you think players like that and, and, and not you and say you and me were two guards, somebody I'm, I may not get in that room because I may not say something, but I would hope my quarterback said something because and, my, quarterback, yeah. my quarterback is the guy that's got more. Cause look, you and I know this. Those guys got 10 times to say that we yes, have. Yes. Okay. I don't care if you're an all pro. When the quarterback goes in there and he goes like this, hey, I really want this guy, or I need to. Maybe that was some of the rub that was up in New England with Brady because when Brady was saying. Aaron hey, Rodgers this year? Aaron Rodgers. Hey, there's a reason Aaron Jones last year. Remember at the 23rd hour, they came yep. back and all of a sudden that guy was supposed to be let loose. And they re-signed him, and now they restructured his contract as early as yesterday, I think it was, so that that guy could stay on that team. They went out and they got Reggie Cobb. Yep. They went out and got people like <laughs> that. Those exactly, guys just to make him. They got yep. Tom Clements, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it just shows if he'd have said he'd be all right. This is what I want. And we're talking about you know quarterbacks. Quarterbacks probably make what eighteen percent of the uh, salary cap. Oh yeah. Oh, that's about 18% right. percent of the salary cap. So all he had to do is say, hey, come on, man, you know, sign my guy back. But he didn't go to bat for him. So don't think that, you know, the Earth is like, oh, okay, then. I see how you're going to be. So that kind of got a rift. And from that point on, once you don't have your boy, your guy in your in your corner, it just went downhill like that. Because I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with voicing your opinion on your religion or anything like that. But it can't, it can't be to the to the tune of, of, of you being a guy that you can't, talk to you can't talk to somebody because of this i mean if you look at jesus jesus went out he went around the people that are already saved he went out to people that needed to be saved he was around all the you know the the prostitutes and everything to try to win them over you have to be around guys you have to be able to communicate with everybody you know and he was he lacked that that skill set so ben is the same way i mean how come you don't call joel and Bede when all this stuff is going on you won't communicate with him or any of your teammates I'm they going to you guys. Barrett, if I listen, if I have a problem with something that's going on, I'm not looking at a reporter, dude. I'm coming to you and I'm going to go like this because you're one of the vets on the team, especially if it's somebody I can trust. I'm going to go like this, bro. I, 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 I just don't think we're getting this thing done. And by the right. way, I got a problem with this guy, man. You're going to talk it out with your teammates first before you sit in front of a guy who's going to take your words. And remember something about reporters, and I'm giving you guys kind of behind the scenes. Reporters, what they'll do, they some guys have a narrative, and they'll take what you say to them to try to curve your comment into a narrative that they have about the team, the coach, the offense, what have you, and it'll take it completely out of context. When I say something like this, yeah, I tried talking to Barrett, but Barrett didn't even want to hear it. Now, he doesn't know the context of that. Barrett doesn't think the guy's worth the shit. He doesn't know our history. He doesn't know what we're talking about, but he'll go, hey, nobody wants to talk about the coach. They've lost the locker room. That's not what that is. Right. That's not <laughs> what I said. And they'll take that. And like, like this thing with Rich Ornberger with, uh, with Brady. Okay, let me just go here with this. Rich Ornberger is a guy who played, was a backup guy with uh, Brady up in New England. And I talked to Rick Stroud, and I actually talked to Bruce Arians. I'm friends. Bruce has been on Bruce the show my twice. Guy. And I go like this to Bruce. I go, you and Brady had a conflict? He goes, 
that guy is freaking lying like nobody's business. I, Dan, I was home at 6.30. The guys who were burning the midnight oil were Byron Leftwich and Brady. They were the guys watching the film. That was part of me coming back to coaching. I wasn't going to stay in the building at one buck place until 12.30 at night. I was not going to do that. Those guys handled that. I never came in with a marker and went like this, crossed off plays on what they were going to do and what they weren't going to do. That just shows you, again, guys taking things out of context, Barrett, and not understanding what, what we're talking about. Maybe Brady had a problem with a few of the play callings that were in that NFC championship game. I know he had to have a, I mean, he had to have an ass with that last defensive play with Todd Bowles yep. that let cup go down the middle, but man, that's not saying I hate my coach. You know what I'm saying? So things get taken and some guys just fit in. You make a great point about Wentz. And then you look at some of the other guys, look who Brady had to deal with. He dealt with Aaron Hernandez. He dealt with Antonio Brown. And he dealt with Gronk. He dealt with other great guys on the team. But this guy was able to deal with the most difficult people in the room. Plus, he was dealing with guys who were in the room that didn't need the massaging of some other players. To me, that's a skill set, isn't yes, it? it? When is. you're yes, a quarterback like that, that you <clears throat> can deal with all personalities. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that, you know, because I've been around guys that, like Randall Cunningham. He was kind of hard to deal with because he's kind of the same guy. He was kind of the same guy as a as a um, as a, as a Tim Tebow. You know, he means you know once he got religion, he's a preacher now. Yes, he's a preacher now. So once he got religion, he kind of pushed you towards that way. He was still able to get along with people, but he would try to push you that way. And it didn't agree with a lot of guys. You know, Jerome you know, like, said he didn't get along with a lot of guys <clears throat> on the Eagles yeah. because that's just he he yep. was like this. He's like, you know, that's why nobody. That's why I thought there was a really weird relationship with the fans in Philly and Randall because yep. the media kind of said things and he took it so personal. He did. He, do, he and, does. And yep. Jerome said he just never got along. That relationship, what I understand now, is better with the city of Philly. No question. It is better now, but it, it wasn't at first. Um, him and Ricky Waters, you know, didn't really get along. You know what I'm saying? Um, but they still were able to, you know, work, you know, work together. You have certain guys like even you know even a guy like Irvin Fryer. Irvin Fryer is a pastor right now, also. Yeah, but he never was a Bible. You know what they call it, a Bible beater. He wasn't yeah, like Bible that. Th- yeah, Bible <clears throat> thumper. Yeah, Bible thumper. So you got to be able to to work with different people, different class, different sex, different different you know different nationalities. You got to. I mean, that's one thing about a locker room. Yeah. You get everything in a locker room. Everything. All race, creeds, colors, whatever you you get that in the Muslim, Catholic, Protestant, you got it all in there. And you got one goal, and that's to win football games, win a championship. So that one goal can bring everybody together. You can't continue to be, you know, the guy that you know Carson was trying to be there. It just didn't work, you know. And he thought he knew how to carry the team, and he didn't. Isn't that crazy, Barrett? That a guy that was that religious, and I'm going to say something, maybe, and I hope people don't take it the wrong way. His religion divided the locker room. Well, yep. In a sense, it did. In a sense, okay. it did. His religious conviction, instead of understanding that he was there for a bigger cause, and I'm not saying that God is a bigger cause in every – God is who we are, in my opinion, okay? And it's who you are. With you. Everyone has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, as far yep. as I'm concerned. We all have personal relationships. My relationship with God is not your relationship – 
but I have a personal relationship with God. I, I, I was raised a Catholic my entire life, went to Catholic schools, all of that. But when I'm put in a locker room, I have got a task when I'm being brought in that room. It's not to spread my Catholicism. It's to go in there and win ball games. Now, if somebody asks me about my religion, I have no problem coming out and going like this. I'm a man of God, man. I follow Jesus Christ, and I follow my Catholic upbringing. Now, do I want to push that on somebody? No. But what I want to do is, when you bring me in there, we all have a common goal, like you said, Muslims, Catholics, what have you. We got to go out and win a ball game together. And we got and, and, and Barrett, I think that's the greatest thing about a locker room. Because sports, there's that one thing that galvanizes people. And I say this to you all the time, and I think I say this to people all the time. There's no place in America today where you could get 70,000 people at Lincoln Financial Stadium who are Republican, Democrat, who are Muslims, Catholics, Protestants, Baptists, and you're all rooting for one thing. Absolutely. The Eagles to win. Absolutely. 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 That's the best thing about sports in my opinion. That's why I say my biggest thing is it crosses all barriers. It crosses all barriers. Sports cross all barriers, and especially football. And when you're a player, man, you understanding this one goal that you're going towards does not mean that you just you don't alleviate, you know, God from the equation. God is the equation. Okay. He's going to help you get to that point. Absolutely. But you have to know how to, you know, talk to people, you know, just I mean, there's so many, you know, places in the Bible that you can that you can see where you have to be more than just um, somebody that, you know, talks about your faith to get and win people over, you know, I mean, tax collectors, whatever it is, you know, you gotta be able to relate with people. And that's a, that's a huge, huge uh, thing that people don't necessarily think goes on in a locker room, but it does. It means you have to be able to relate and get along with people. You have to be a people person to be in that locker room. You don't have to be their friends, but you have to be able to communicate and, 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 you know, have a relationship with these guys. Both of those guys really pushed the relationship away and would not engage in that relationship, both Ben and Wentz. Because they didn't have the skill set, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, not saying you have to have the gift of gab, but you have to have some way that your common goal could be obtained by speaking to, you know, speaking to each other and communicating with each other. And they they lack that skill set. That's why they're not here now. They lacked it. You know, you, you know, you know, Barrett, I don't think people understand when we, we get up in the morning when you're playing football or you're on a sports team, you're there, you're, you get to the facility at 730, 8 o'clock team meeting, you all get together, then you break off into your respected groups, you go do it. You're there with these men. You're there for six months every single freaking day of your life. You're there more so with them than you are your entire family. And Bro, you, you yeah, you're there with your wife, yeah. You barely see your family there, and you get the opportunity to go and have to understand that. Like you said, it's not about becoming boys, but it's about getting along so that you guys can all get into that position to row the boat. All right, let me let me transition into this here. You know, we talked a lot, and we talked at length, and the other day you came out strong, throwing that fire about Deshaun Watson, and you said, hey, man, let's just push it in. Let's just go get it. All right. Let me ask you what the backlash would be of that. What would be the backlash, in your opinion, if you see Philadelphia all of a sudden become a football team and an organization 
that it looks like it's going to be a team that's going to be one of the players. And I'm going to give you some odds here. A couple weeks ago, it was 40 to 1 on some respected poll that you had the Eagles that potentially could go out and get Russell Wilson. Well, if you're out looking at Russell Wilson, you're also looking at Deshaun Watson on trying to upgrade because those are going to be the two potential guys. Now, do I think Seattle moves him? I'm still skeptical on that, but I know that Watson is going to be moved. It's now down to five to one that the Eagles are one of the front runners to get Russell Wilson. So to me, I also have to think that that's going to apply to Deshaun Watson. In your opinion, what would be the backlash here in Philadelphia if the Eagles do go out and get Deshaun Watson? What would the fan base, what would the media say because of all the things surrounding him? What would that look like if it was something that they went out and ended up getting uh, Deshaun Watson? It, it would, it would, you would have some some backlash from individuals, you know, simply because um, those, I mean, serious allegations that that you know he's dealing with. But if there's one city that could handle it, one city that you could come in and and and, and you could win the city over, but you'd have to make sure that um you you went about it the right way. Like you know you look at you look at uh, Legarrette Blunt. He went about it the right way. He came in, kept his nose clean, didn't you know mess up you know, and and he was able to win his fan base over. Uh, a guy like Michael Vick, he was able to come in. You know he still gets backlash to this day. You know from from um uh, you know you know, dog owners and, you know, but he was able to win and show that he's changed. This city will give you an opportunity to change. And, 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 and you know, you're going to get a little slack at first, but if you show that you're generally changing and you're generally a person that wants to come in and win football game, they'll give you that opportunity. There will be some backlash, but I think this is the seat that could sit in fan base that could actually turn the corner for Deshaun Watson. I really do believe that. But what it will do to this team it would raise the expectations so high that it would be hard for this Eagles organization to stand up to those type of, um, um, you know, expectations. Because once you get Deshaun, you're expected to win right now. And they are not even close to being able to get in a point where they're going to compete um, in the NFC right now with the defense that they have. They <laughs> lack a defense. They lack special teams and certain key positions that, you know, skill sets that they don't have in order to compete, even if you have a Deshaun Watson. We're gonna, we're, we're, I'm going to roll into, in a couple minutes here for us here, I'm going to ask you uh, the positions that you think are the biggest needs outside of quarterback here. But let me ask you something here, and this has always been, my daughter asked me this, you know, how you guys handle it. And I want to know how you handle it. You were in the locker room 10 times longer than I ever was. And let me throw this at you here. You know, my daughter goes, Dad, when you get a guy like Adrian Peterson who takes a switch to his kids and whips his genitals and he's bleeding and this kid has and he's now certain guys or my friend Michael Irvin who gets into a situation with a woman, there's a sexual assault, there's an allegation there or sap or any of these guys. How did you handle that when somebody came to you and said, you accept that in the locker room? See, I think the public thinks that we accept that when it comes into our locker room, people don't realize management puts those guys in our locker room. It's up to us to try to make that work for our team's benefit, even though we have to because management makes us compromise our maybe our integrity or a small piece of our character because that's not somebody that we would hang out with. And I think this goes to your point 
when you're saying you don't have to get along with everybody, but management puts those guys like a Deshaun Watson. When Deshaun Watson comes in to the locker room, Barrett, I don't want to be answering questions. Hey, how do you feel about the guy having 22 sexual assault allegations against him? That's not something I want to answer because then what happens to the public's perception, they think I tolerate that kind of behavior. Right, right, right. Because he's in the room with us. How did you deal with that? And how do you think that is going to deal and go with the players in the locker room? Because you know that that's a pretty tough, tough place being in that locker room. I don't want to answer questions about your about your personal behavior. I want to answer football questions. Do you think there'd be something in the locker room if you put Watson in that locker room? Or do you think there's enough leadership with the Eagles that they that, can well, handle that's it that? right there? That's what it, it had to be the leaders in your in your organization to do it. I mean, the guys like Jason Kelsey, uh Lane Johnson, you know, I mean, you know, the locker room is not just a homogeneous type of place. You know, it's it's not. You know, everything is there you know, rose-colored, you know, glasses and, you know, everything and everybody gets along. No, there's still, you know, sex in there. There's still, um, you know, different, you know, um, um, boys over here. There's groups over here. You know, it's, it's still split. You know, you still have splits in it. There's but little clicks in the locker yeah, room. Clicks, yeah, clicks. There you go. Sex, clicks, you know, groups, whatever it is. Not everybody gets along with everybody. You know, the offensive line usually just deals with the offensive line. Defensive linemen usually deal with defensive linemen, but they can deal with other people. I tell you what, offensive linemen are the most finicky guys on the team. We <laughs> hang out together, we're around each other, we party with each other. You know, we go out to dinner with each other. That's the way they are. We, you know, we're like our own little city inside that you know that that um that state of of a team. So everything isn't like everything. You know, I had a problem with you know my last you know four years playing next to a guy that. We just didn't get along. We just, I never got invited to reindeer games. We just didn't get along. But it still didn't change the fact on the field that I'm going to make sure that I have his back and I know he had mine, went on the field. But off the field, we went our separate ways. The media didn't pick up on it, but I've been in a situation where I've seen media pick up on, you know, you know, relationships with guys that just didn't work together. But you know in that locker room what your common goal is, so you go about doing that, and you don't worry about the extracurricular stuff off the field. So if he did come and I was in the locker room with him, he'd probably be the butt of jokes. You know what I'm saying? He'll probably have a you know, uh, 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 you know, work his way into being who he is in that locker room. He'll get it just like everybody else get it. But eventually, I think he's a good kid, and he will come out you know on top. I interviewed him when he first was uh, in the process of getting drafted. Great kid when I was interviewing him. You know, you could tell, you know, he he was he was down to earth, um, ready to work. You know, you could tell that he could he could go out and he could win a team over. And he did that. But off the field, you know, you can't always see what's going on in somebody else's house, man. So whatever stays at home is almost like separation of state and religion. Same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, same, yeah same I, thing. I, I completely agree. I'm gonna ask you when we come back out of the timeout here. The positions that you think that there is in must need outside of the quarterback. We're going to put the quarterback thing to the side here. The positions that you think are the biggest need. I also talked to Andre Johnson, who was a Hall of Fame um, candidate this year. He got all the way down to the semifinalists. I'm going to tell you what he said about the Texans organization itself and why maybe Deshaun wanted out of there right away. Yep. And so I had a great conversation with him. 
We'll do that in three minutes. Keep it right here on The Middle. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Welcome back to the middle. Dan Silio went for Harry Mays, Barrett Brooks. I had a conversation with Andre Johnson, know him very well, um, one of my U brothers. And I asked him, I said, the environment that was there with Bob McNair and then now the kid, I think his name is Cal, that now is taking over as ownership of the team there. And I asked him, I go, what was it like working in that organization? He goes, very religious. And I was like, interesting. He goes, yeah, religion is a... Like there's this kid, there's this guy named Ellerby in there, and he's like got some preacher background to him, and he is a main confidant to the McNair family, and it's an old school family. Bob McNair's family is one of the richest families in the NFL. I mean, just massive money. I think they're in the top five, Barrett. And wow. where I'm going here is I'm trying to set an environment up for you. And inside that environment, as the old man was getting sicker, you started seeing things that were in there. 
some of the contracts that with the man, I hate sometimes even going here. Sometimes with contracts, according to Andre, with some of the black players, they'd be more apt to jettison you off the team. Wow. Try to get you to restructure. And a guy like J.J. Watt, his he was revered in that building. He All the great things he did, and I'm not throwing shit. I'm just relaying a message here. It just seemed to be an inequity and in how they dealt with the black players on that organization and in that organization versus the white players in that organization. And all the black players felt it. DeAndre Hopkins has kind of hinted at it. Andre clearly said it. Hey, I get what was going on in that building because we all felt it. And then when they ended up getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins, that was the last straw for Deshaun. And Deshaun said this, he goes, why would you give me a $180 million contract and then get rid of the best third down receiver in the league? The, we, 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 we all go hand in hand. It's like taking the, Devontae Adams off the Packers and thinking you're going to get a good result in building your team. I mean, the environment is why Deshaun wants out. It's ownership. It's not the city of Houston. So I think that that whole thing was that he just didn't want to be a Texan. No, I don't think he wanted to play for McNair. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you know about that organization, but it just seemed – I mean, and to me, look at the David Culley hire. They hired a black coach just because they thought that that was going to somehow get Deshaun Watson in the building. Now, they turned around and they hired Lovey. Fantastic. I didn't know Lovey was in line for a job. Now, Lovey took a team to the Super Bowl. I know Lovey Smith off of the Tampa roster when I coach when I was in Tampa doing morning drive. I know Lovey was on a dungeon staff. I, I want to say Mike Mike Tomlin was even on that staff. Yep. I th- I I, I want to if I'm not mistaken, I think Herm Edwards was also on that staff too. So I, I, I get they turned around and they hired him. But I'm like this, I don't know what you think of that organization, but that's one of the rubs that Deshaun had is that it's just not a healthy environment, and you hear a lot of the black players that played there make those comments. Just your thoughts on that? You know, I mean, if it, if that's the case, you know, it's a travesty. I don't I don't know anything about that organization. I don't know about their ownership, but I've been a part of a, of, of an organization that are devout Catholics fish every Friday. You know, they they do things, and they think there is a stealer way about how an organization is supposed to be run. They separated themselves from, you know, the, you know, you got the Roonies with the football team. Then you got the Roonies that, you know, do the gambling stuff with the horse racing and all that stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a down to earth religious based organization, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I've been around an organization like that. It, it, it shouldn't be one of those organizations where, you know, like you say, um, a Bible thumper, they're not like that. But they do make a lot of calls on how their organization is going to be portrayed. You can't just do what you want to do. Big Ben, if if you're going to let Big Ben go, they were going to let Big Ben go for some of the stuff that he was doing earlier in his career. They don't care about that. They let Heinz Ward go. San Antonio Holmes, they let him go. They don't care about anything but, you know, the Steeler way being who they are and how they're represented. 
That's so why there's gonna, no way Deshaun Watson's going to land there. No way. Right. You know, so, I mean, that, and that's that's something that they'll, they'll sacrifice because of that. So, if that's going on in that organization, man, that's 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 tough, man. That's 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 you, you will never win there. You will never win there if if you can't bring in people that you know that you I mean try to make them better people, you know, in, in the organization. But I can't see them winning there because if, if that gets out and, and word is that you know it's an organization that does not um not necessarily cater to, but if they're an organization that, you know, presses that envelope so hard that they start making decisions, you know, because of, you know, you're not what they feel as though, uh, you know, a faith-based guy is, that's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. I, 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 you know, there's some organizations that I think sometimes, Barrett, have a tough time with – and and, and and correct and tell me I'm crazy if I say this. I'm, I'm going to say it. I think they have a tough time sometimes when black faces are the face of the franchise. Oh, I mean, it's the billionaire boys club, man. You know, I mean, when you're a billionaire, you know, you tend to want what you want in your room. I mean, that's that's it. You know, so if, if you if that's that's how you want to portray your organization, you're not going to win much in that organization. You can't have that 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 separatist point of view. You know, in your organization. Remember what Jerry Richardson did to Cam? There was this giant before they drafted him. They brought him in, and they had this, like, full week interview on whether or not he could be the face of that franchise. I mean, (laughs) you're either going to draft a guy or you're not. I mean, (laughs) what are you having a conversation about? This is about football here. This is about ball here. Right, right, right. It's not about anything else. I mean – but I get that quarterback position is different, Barrett. You have to be in public. You got, you know, it was always funny for me. I look at a guy like, like Cam Newton had a child out of wedlock. Well, so did Tom Brady, but somehow Cam got shit on when he was in Carolina. Tom never did. He was revered in New England. They always kind of kept that, you know, to the side. Cam was, you know, by the way, I love the way Cam Newton dresses, Man, he's the only dude I've ever seen in a bonnet that a chick wears that I've never <laughs> seen a dude look good like that. I mean, but I used to love the way Cam had that big old, like that, that Spanish hat on, man. He come walking in, man. I love me some Cam Newton, man. I do. Yeah, he does. He, he, I think he does a little too much, man. I, but see, I'm, I'm not one of those dressy type of guys, you know what I'm saying? I'm a sweatshirt, you know, jeans type of guy, bro. Yeah. Hey, we're in the pits, homie. <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, we're in the pits, man. I'm not. Hey, I'm not looking for Gucci here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking for it. All right, Barrett. Let's go on to the Eagles here. You tell me outside. Of, let's put the quarterback position to the side here. The biggest need on the team. Um, let Let me throw. I I think it's edge rusher. They finished 31st ding, in the NFL ding. in sacks. And if you're going to play in today's NFL, if we saw anything in that Super Bowl, to me, the thing that really was the difference for the Rams this year was two things. It was Stafford's arm, and it was the fact that Donald got pressure in the in the playoffs. And that was the first time, really, because if you go back to his Super Bowl against New England, man, he was a non-factor in that Super Bowl, but he was a massive factor in that Super Bowl against the Bengals. He had three sacks in the ball game. I say it's Ed Rusher. Who do you think? You're absolutely right. The two things, the two positions that you can't 
fail on is quarterback and rushing the quarterback. If you can put yourself a team in a position where they can rush the quarterback and create pressure on the quarterback, it, it really is the, the equalizer, you know what I'm saying, on defense. And because the Eagles were so inefficient at it, you know, they have to get pass rushers. They have to. And, and my guy BG is coming back. We're talking about an older guy. Can he generate pressures the way he did when he was younger after an injury? That's serious. Who else do they have? You know, Sweat, he turned it up a little bit last year, but they haven't had a double-digit sack guy in the past four or five years. Is that ridiculous or what? Oh, completely. A double-digit sack guy. Just, nobody has been – I, mean, I think Fletcher Cox did it. He had 10 and a half. Or, or it was Brandon Graham. Wow. Brandon Graham had one two years ago, I think, where he had 10 and a half sacks. And other than that, you look through that, you know, through the sacks on that team, it's been years. I'm talking about years until – I mean, I can't think of the last time they had two guys with double-digit sacks. I think you got to go way back to uh, Babbitt and all those guys and the freak, you know, as far as double-digit sacks. you got to have guys that can rush the passer. You look at Kansas City. Their defense was not complete, and they got drove on all year until they went out and got um, – Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram from uh, the Steelers, him, and then move Sean Jones back in Correct. to the inside. His natural, in position. natural position. That they yep. started generating pressure. You've yep. got to have pass rushers. You look at um, the Steelers. They create pass rush where um, Hayward hey, – was it Hayward in the middle? Yeah, Casey Hayward in the middle there, and they got TJ on the outside. On a, so you got to have that pass rushing tandem. We don't have it. We haven't had it in the past almost five or six years. I, I and where do we get it from? I think until Fletcher Cox makes his mind up that he's going to go back and be the Fletcher Cox of old, he conditions himself that way. He has a mindset that he wants to be the best player to ever play. We won't have to say production out of him again. He still has those intangibles. He still has that gift to rush the passer. I'm not saying he's lazy, but I am saying they're not putting him in a position to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? And, and 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 until they put him in a position and he puts himself in a position, it's going to be hard-pressed for anybody to really be that sack-getting guy in that um, defense. Do you think that because the money that's really with the Eagles and under the cap, Chandler Jones is out there. He's a 10-sack guy. He's a double-digit guy. Um, here's the problem. He had five in one game, and I think he only ended up the season with 11, so it's kind of fool's gold on that number mm -hmm. with that double digit. However, he's a 100-sack guy. He's got 100 sacks in his career. He's a tremendous rusher. He's not exceptionally old. Do you think you go in the free agent market? And I'll tell you something. To me, nowadays, too, because free agency is now a little different than what it used to be back in my – dude, free agency back in my time, they were all 35, 36-year-old old guys who were looking for one more check. <laughs> you know you know what I mean. I mean, they're the guys that were looking for one last check. And I play with Willem Fuller. Yeah, like that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But nowadays, these guys are 28. And because salary caps, you got to budget your cap. Now, look at what the Patriots did this past offseason, Barrett. They spent over $340 million on player contracts. Wow. Okay? I mean, that's a whole different conversation now in New England compared to what it used to be when Brady was there. I mean, they don't have that attraction any longer. They could sell – see, they used to sell Brady. 
hey, look, you come here, man, you're not going to make top dollar, but you're going to play in the postseason, and maybe you're going to get yourself a Super Bowl, which may benefit you on your next contract somewhere else, but we're going to give you a – they don't have that sell any longer anymore. No. So the free agency market now, there's productive people on it, and I'm throwing a guy like Chandler out there. Would you look at somebody like Chandler Jones and say this? You know, I never was a Jadavian Clowney guy, and I'll tell you why. Clowney, um, to me, has never had a double-digit double sack uh, year in his entire career. I'm not paying $15, $18 million for a guy that has never had a double-digit sack uh, year <laughs> in his entire career. You know, you know, wow. you know who he was, what? Barrett? Barrett, he was the guy. You ever see a really – okay, they're putting out a big movie, and they got this beautiful poster – and this poster's really, you're like, damn, that poster's awesome. You go watch the movie, you're like this. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I always thought, like, the poster for him, because of that hit in that Outback game against Michigan, Yes. I always thought people looked at that and went, wow, this guy's really great. And I thought he was good, but I never thought he was a $20 million a year guy. How do you look at free agency? And do you think the Eagles should dive into that for an edge rusher? I, I think they do. And I, and I really a guy that, you know, he's probably about fourth or fifth right now. He's going to command some money. It's straight from Dallas. You know, why not go and cherry pick a guy from Dallas, you know, and, and weaken them? Randy Gregory, you know, it, when he's playing, when he's not injured, he is a productive pass rusher. He can give you double-digit sacks. And – I'm, I'm I'm anxious to see you know what I'm saying where they where he ends up or if are they gonna try to uh to, to go out and get him? He's the guy I will look at. There's a couple guys on the list, you know. Uh, Von Miller's gonna be out of there. I think his juice is gone for you know. I, you know I think he got his ring now, and you know from this point on, you know he's just gonna be a reserve guy. that's gonna play on third down, and that's about it. He's a third down guy. I think the JV and Clowney's gonna be the same way. He's gonna just gonna be a third down guy. He's not gonna be a guy's first or second ground, first or second down. Because I don't think he's, you know, at this point vested in stopping the run. You know what I'm saying? That, that you know, that's a that's you have to make it a point to be able to stop the run. You can't just go out there just on passing down. You have to make sure that you're vested in that and you're gonna do what it takes to stop the run. I don't see those guys as doing it. Hey, could look at Dallas. That was one of the big turnarounds under Dan Quinn. The year previous, I mean, hell, I think what was it, uh Cleveland? went into Dallas and ran the ball for 350 yards on him. It was like one of the worst performances in the history of the Cowboy defense. Right. And they had like 350 put on them. I mean, dude, the only time you see 350 is in a college game when K-State's running over <laughs> Kansas, right? You guys are rolling up 400 yards rushing. You don't see that in NFL No, games. no, you don't. 350 yards rushing. Here's my only issue with Gregory. Tell me if you buy into it. Okay, so – this kid was supposed to be a first-round draft choice coming out of Nebraska. Yep. They told him, hey, don't smoke weed before the combines. <laughs> and he goes to the combines, and he fails a drug test. Here's why. I'm, 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 I don't care if you smoke weed. I'm a proponent of it. Instead of giving players oxycodones, giving them uh, volumes and Vicodins and all this other addicting stuff. If anything could come out of it, the NFL is not even in like doing more research on pain management with CBD oils and all this other stuff and marijuana. I I'm completely for this. 
My problem is decision making. Yep. Okay. It's not so. I don't care about the smoking weed. I care about you were told not to. And there's been some decision making issues in Dallas. That's my only concern about him. Barrett, his skill set is first round skill set. His decision making is a player that is questionable on if you can count on him, okay? Yeah, I would yeah. rather have a lesser player that I can count on for 17 games than a guy who may trip over speed bumps because of his own bad decision making. As you look, as I tell you this and you're a great example of it. Man, you're a 12-year veteran. You had to watch all the speed bumps. I didn't. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> there were speed bumps that were put in front of you. You were you were able to maneuver around them. They looked at you one time in a different way. You worked your ass off. You took all of those things as small um, objectives on, I'll show you. Okay? And that's how you played. Man, when I tell everybody, you play 10-plus years, man, you're going to have a ton of speed bumps put in front of you. Yep. And to be able to play 10-plus years is unreal in that league. The average player – you know, it's funny, Barrett. People say this to me. Seals, well, you didn't play long. Well, the average is three years. So I'm an average NFL player. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that. You know, that's why they make our – that's why in order to qualify for our pension, you have that's to play right, three the fourth years year. and three games into the next year. Yeah, that's right. In order to qualify for the pension. So you're right, man. You know, I mean – and it's and it's it's it, it it's I'm just dumbfounded that they tell guys, look, we give they give them a month before they drug test. Guys, we're drug testing on this day when you get back to um, OTAs. We're 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 gonna drug test during this OTA. So that means you can't don't smoke for a month, and it'll be out of your system. But guys can't do it. I don't understand it. If they told me to stop breathing, I'd be like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, man. It's easy money, man. We're playing football. We're playing a game, man. So I understand that. You're right. Randy Gregory is a guy, but he's shown over the past couple years that he has. You know, he's 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 not going to be the same um, headache that he was before. You know, he and, he's clearly not that. He's. You're right. Um, he, I think he got banged up a little bit last year, but yeah, he was just hurt. It was injury. Yes. Yeah, it was injury, and I think over there was also a COVID thing with him this past season too. Yeah, I don't they, think it was had hard to get back. Yeah, yeah. So, so you would look at the free agency. How about the linebacker, and how about the corners and the defensive backs? Now, look, and keep going, I, keep going, and, and safeties and <laughs> say, oh, oh no, that hey, defense period, bro. Hey, look, they need another guy on the other side of Slay, and they're free and strong safeties, in my opinion. Hey, 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 Barrett, no disrespect to that defense and the guys that are in there now. But, dude, man, those free and strong safeties they have on that team, I don't know. I don't see it. Me neither. Okay. So, do you go in the draft for those dudes? I, You know what? They've shown, the, they've shown that they don't draft safeties. They go out in free agency and get them. Um, the past two or three, today, four or five they had, they brought in free agency. I mean, they did draft a kid from Clemson. And he has some injury issues. You know, he's trying to come back. But when I look at their roster, for the most part, they go out in free agency and get corners. They go out in free agency and get safeties. Now, they did draft Devontae Maddox. They Rasul Douglas, Sidney Jones. Those guys are supposed to be the mainstay right now. 
but they extradited all those, you know, two of the guys there and kept Avante Maddox. I really feel as though they're going to sign Nelson back because they gave him a solid at the end of the year. If they sign him back, okay, he's he's okay for covering the number two receiver. I didn't hear his name much, so that meant that, you know, maybe he was doing his job. He didn't stand out to me. I mean, I didn't see, you know, Revis Island type of numbers or, or, or you know, you know, Dion type of numbers, but I thought he was okay at what they were trying to accomplish there. Until they get a pass rush, it's often not anyways because, you know, those guys are going to eventually get open when you don't have a pass rush. So I really didn't feel as though, you know, we really saw their skill set, you know, take front and center because, you know, they had plenty of time to throw the ball. And plus the defense that they called, you know, was just not aggressive enough. I really think once they get some pass rush in here, then Gannon, Rich Gannon, the defensive coordinator, not Rich Gannon, but Gannon, John, whatever his name, Jonathan. Gannon, Jonathan Gannon. It really doesn't matter, Barrett. Yeah. That's all good. Not at all, man. <laughs> not at all. So, you know, it's all for not. You can't call a defensive game that's so passive that, you know, guys are, you know, like Herbert was was getting eight yards a pop just throwing it the out on a, in a, on a safety, I mean, on a cornerback that's 10 yards off the ball. I take that all day. I, oh, that's an eight-yard out. That's a uh, that's an eight-yard stop, right? You, you know, you it just – it's just not – they're just not putting themselves in a position to win with the defense they were called. No doubt, man. That's soft zones and all that stuff, playing off the ball. All right, we got hour two coming up here. I want to ask you if you think Howie Roseman needs some help going into the draft. Should there be somebody else in that front office with him? We'll hit on that. Hey, guys, Dan Cilio in for Harry Mays. Barrett Brooks back in three. Keep it here on the middle. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say. We got this. Call 215-458-2222. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go Sills, what about Notre Dame? I got to tell you my Notre Dame story, Barrett. So I get recruited to go to Notre Dame. They had a guy by the name of Jerry Fouts there. And they thought because I was Catholic that I was just going to automatically sign there. So, dude, I, I had a run-in with this school the whole time. So they go like this. Because I'm, I'm, I'm like six one and a half, and I go, okay. They go, jump up and touch the rim. So I'm like, I'm not here to play basketball. <laughs> and the guy goes like this. Oh, you just want to say, I go, look, man, you guys are good when you had leather hats on and sh- shit like that. And, you know, you guys were really great. This is Notre Dame. I go, when's the last time you guys had a national championship? What was it, 72? I was 10. I go, I mean, I, I go, what are, you, what, what are you guys talking about here? And, I, and, and I'm, hey, and I, I'm going like, okay, so. I got into such an argument with them. I said, you know what you can do, dude? You can put me on a freaking bus, send me back to Catholic High, send me back to Stanford. I am never going to sign here. I'm going to South Beach next week, dude. I'm in 10 feet of snow. And the guy go, <laughs> hey, and he go, and, and by the way, Notre Dame at the time, I go like this. Where are the chicks? Go, oh, they're at St. Mary's. It was, it was, it wasn't. They had the girls at St. Mary's across the street. Yeah. So I went, wait a minute. You don't have, you don't have women in your college. Well, they're at St. Mary's across the street. I said, listen, no chicks, no sills. (laughs) (laughs) That ain't, they sent me back on a bus, dude. They put me on a bus. They, they flew me out. It was a train wreck. What? So, oh my God! So we end up going and playing them. We beat the pants off them, fifty-eight to seven. It's the worst beating in the history of Notre Dame football. We beat them by fifty-one points. Jimmy's running the score up on them. Somebody comes to the locker. They go, "Hey, Sills, what, 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 what did you say to Fouts?" I said, "Touchdown, Jesus took a knee today." Did I get <laughs> killed for that? <laughs> I got killed for that, man. I go touchdown. Jesus took a knee, man. <laughs> Bro, I, 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 I no, I, I didn't. I, I had one pro. I had one problem with um with the um my recruiting visit. That was um I went to uh Penn State for a visit, and that's the only problem I had. Joe Pa, man. Really? Um, yeah, man. I had I, well, it wasn't really a problem. It wasn't a problem to me, and it wasn't a problem to him. You know, he 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 alleviated the problem real quick. So um, I fly out on Friday, and um, I get there Friday afternoon, and you know the players take us out. I think I, I think I had like DJ Dozier or something like that. So they take us out. We kick it, drink, and my meeting is at six thirty in the morning. Wow. And my roommate, his meeting was at six in the morning. We didn't get back to the room until like five. So I walk in. <laughs> I'm like, yo. So. This before cell phones, you know what I'm saying? Really, everybody has cell phones. So I um I set the alarm that was in that was in the uh, hotel room. I set the alarm. So I got up at six o'clock to go. So the alarm went off at six. I looked over. 
my roommate was still in the bed. I'm like, yo, bro, you supposed to be meeting with Coke, man. I'm not, I can't meet the, I can't meet right now, man. Just tell him, man, I, I, I meet with him later on. I said, man, I ain't telling him nothing, bro. But I get up, they come pick me up. I go to the meeting. When I go to the meeting, Joe Pa tells me, hey, Brooksy, you're a nice player, but you probably won't wait, play to your senior year. Oh, I said, man. I said, what do you mean I won't play to my senior year? Well, you know, usually when it comes to defensive and offensive linemen, I don't play them until their senior year. I said, but what if I'm better than the guys in front of me? Oh, I, I just don't do that. I say, well, you know, no disrespect, you know, <laughs> no, no disrespect at all. But, you know, I, I, I can't come here because, I mean, if I feel as though I'm, I'm good enough, I should be able to play. Yeah. All right. He's like, um, okay, then. And then, bro, I was supposed to leave on Sunday afternoon around 4 o'clock. He had me on the next thing. Well, I was back in, from, from College Station, back from there, back at, um, <laughs> at, at Philadelphia <laughs> at 1 o'clock. And caught a one o'clock flight back to St. Louis. So I got I, I finished the meeting at seven o'clock, seven fifteen, went back to my room, they made me pack my stuff up and had me on a shuttle back to Philadelphia, which is like an hour and a half, two hours away from, from uh Penn State, and on a plane by one yeah. o'clock, bro. Happy hey, happy valley ain't easy to get into. No, bro. You, I was you gotta out of take there. A, you gotta take a bus into that place. Hey, so Paterno came to my high school and He's looking at me. He goes, oh, man, you're great. You're Italian. You're all this and this and that. He gave me the same shit, too, about playing my junior, senior year. And I was like, eh, Pitt's recruiting me, too. I don't know, man. I'm like, you know, plus they're number one at the time. They had Marino there and all that. And I was like, I don't know. So guess who comes to my house? Who's that? Knocks on the door, man. Defense coordinator walks in. Jerry oh. Sandusky. Oh, Jerry Sandusky walks in, and I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's considered one of the greatest defensive coordinators in college football. He's in there recruiting me and stuff. My grandfather's like, yay, Paterno. Oh, Paisan. You know? <laughs> and I'm going, and, 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 and I, I'm, I'm not basing it on him being Italian. <laughs> and my, grand, my grandpa's like, hey, he's going to look out for you. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't think coaches look at it like that. He goes, no, no, no. And Sandusky's like, yeah, no, Joe loves Italian guys and thinks you're this and that. And he really said some great things about me um, years later. But I was like, man, I don't you, think you, so, you, you man. These guys bullet, used to camp out. Yeah, but then I saw Sandusky in a national championship game across the way. And I, I always look back on that because they called us convicts back then. And the, can you imagine calling um, a 90% African-American football team, convicts today. They called us convicts. They called us outlaws. They called it. We were actually, but we were all those things. But media was just killing us going. It was evil versus good. Right, and now right. years, years removed from that, I look at that and I go, really? That was prejudice as hell, man. Oh, my God. Catholics versus – can you imagine that? But see, Catholics you guys played the role up too. You guys played the role because that's the first time I ever saw, you know, guy scores a touchdown – and Michael Irvin, you know, as soon as he gets to the um, cross the line, um, the end zone, he flips his helmet off and run around. They they started a rule because of they you guys. did. They did. <laughs> they started the rule. Hey Xander, by the way, does Barrett have that? Do you have that picture of Barrett's truck? I want to see this thing, man, because Barrett said that I was up seven o'clock this morning. It's like thirty eight degrees outside, and I was working on this truck, man, and still made it in time right now. To work on the uh to do the show, man. Work on the show. I mean, I'm, I'm, 
bro, I was freezing out there. I had to do the wiring for my lights, you know, had to prep the bumper, you know, I put the put the um toe um the toe uh, winch in, you know, had to put it in. It, it bro, it was it was and then I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't screw it screw it in because I had had an accident and I hit the bumper, so the bumper was bent. So because it was bent, the screws wouldn't line up in it. So then I had to take out my welder. I had to weld the piece. The um, the uh, what time are you doing this at, bro? Seven o'clock in the morning. Seven o'clock in the morning. I'm up doing this because I want to get it done, man. I'm tired. My it's been in front of my house right now for like two days. I'm like, let me get, let me finish. So I'm gonna finish it today. But I mean, I had to wire the thing, right? The wire, um, you know, the winch cords, the 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 lights and all that stuff. I had to wire it up first and. I finally got to this point, man. So, uh, <laughs> dude, yeah, you, you're you're way more handier to me. I've got a 2005 Hummer. I just won't. I just won't get rid of it now. Right, <laughs> I, right now, with the gas prices being the way it is, I'd rather have a rickshaw. I said, but this thing here, I mean, Barrett, I've had it because you know it's so wide, it's so big. Yeah, yeah. So listen, yeah. what I did, dude. So I, I open up my hood, and I don't know shit about cars, man. I have no idea. I know where the oil goes. I know where the dipstick is. I know where the transmission fluid is. I know where all that stuff is, right? So I drive my car the other day around the block, you know, because I got to keep this battery going because it's yep. a giant battery, <laughs> or it goes dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I smell something. I'm like, damn. So I park the car. I open up the hood. I have lost my oil cap to the to my engine. Oh man! I have no and, and, and get. I, I'm now searching for an oil cap to an H2. Now it's like ten bucks. I gotta find and I do it. I don't. I can't believe that I didn't screw this thing back on. I must have just put it somewhere. Just put it right there and just said, oh, you know, that just showed. I have no idea. So you're out. You fix. You fix on your car a lot, on your truck a lot. You work I fix on it. cars. I work on cars. I, 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 man, I'm boats. I work on boats. I mean, I do it all, man. I, I, I am not scared to try anything. I'm mean, even changed. <laughs> you successful? Outlets. Yeah, I was. I was. I was. I, I changed outlets in my house, you know. And, and the first time I changed the outlet, it zapped me one time, and it, it, it you know. And from that point on, I said, all right, I'll make sure I don't touch these two together. From that point on, man, I could do it all day. But I'm not afraid to try anything, man. The only thing that, I, that I'd be scared – in fact, I tell I tell people all the time, man, there's nothing I can't do. You know what I'm saying? I can I can cook, clean, sew better than any woman. I, I take my own you know, alterations <laughs> in on my suits and stuff. I do everything myself because I just love working with my you hands. you tailor your own stuff? Yes, yes, yes. I'll ham them up. I'll, you know, if if my uh, suit jacket gets too big because you know I'm losing a little weight, I'll go in and take it in and everything. I'll do all that, man. I, I promise wow. you. I, I mean, I, I I keep like I have a I have a um I have a sewing machine in my office down here in my <laughs> basement. I have a sewing machine. No you lie, man. Your, no you, so you do your jackets. You hold do on your, a second, hold on. Yeah. Okay. Let me see this, man. So wait, you. So Barrett's got a sewing. He has his own clothes. He's his own tailor. I love this, man. There, that's okay. So that's not your wife's. That's yours. No, because look, it's it's, it's heavy duty commercial. It's a commercial <laughs> one. Because you know why I got it. You know how I learned. Shop classic K State. 
Well, actually, um, I was I, I started, you know, I was trying to build a motorcycle. First time I, I got to geeked up and started watching uh, Orange County Choppers and all that stuff. Oh, I love that show. But yes, well, that's how I learned how to weld. That's how I learned how to weld. See, there look, it I, is. I'm, I'm not playing around. You see my my Dodge, my white Dodge Magnum in the back. I just <laughs> rebuilt that. It was, it was a total wreck. I just rebuilt that. It was blue, uh, you know, old rims on. I, I did all that. You see, I'm wiring up. In, in, I see in, it. You see, my that's my favorite chair, bro. That's my favorite chair. <laughs> I, that chair, half chair, will travel, bro. That's how I work on stuff with that is chair. Is that the right work there. chair right there? Yes, it is. So I'm putting that bumper on, man. Um, so on what's my, that little bumper. blue thing there down there? What's that? In front of behind the chair here. What is that? Blue thing behind the chair? Yeah. Blue thing. Where is that? I don't see it. Right here. That this thing right here. The right behind the chair here. Oh, the, the, you talking about the um, the this, that's just a uh, stance of actually a welding um chair, a welding table. A welding table. Okay. That's a welding table that I brought out because I had to do some welding underneath my truck. So, how much equipment around. do you have in your garage? Like, how how much? How like what does your workshop look like, bro? It's it's a mess right now because I have two I have two big um uh you know big I, what do you call it? I need a dollar to take them out. Of um travertine floor flooring that's like 18 by 24, and I got two pallets of it. So it's right in the middle of my garage. I need to get them out. You know, I can take them back, and get my money back. It's like like three thousand dollars worth of uh travertine flooring. So I gotta get rid of that. But man, I'm telling you, bro, I that's what I do, man. See that see, that's how I started out. That's how my car started out. So you sanded that, that down. Sanded down, changed the change the hood, all that stuff, man. Who does the paint? Well, I just I once I did all the body work to it, I went to Mako and paid a thousand bucks, and they just shot it for me. Ah, <laughs> oh damn! Look That's at that, now, man! Yeah. Look at the look at the rims on that. Yeah, man. So I I just love doing stuff myself, man. That's what I do. I mean, I have a I have a Mercedes in my my yard right now that I I need to get rid of now because I I just say no moss. I can't do it, man. I I I had a um, it's a it's an 09, uh CLS five fifty. Oh, killer! And I drove, I drove it brand new, and I wrecked it. But then I bought it back from the um, insurance company for like three thousand bucks. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna fix it myself, bruh. Uh, uh, how much money you dumped into it, bruh? It's probably I probably put like twelve thousand into it, and still is not running. So I'm about to, I'm about to cut my losses, man, and just sell it on on you know eBay or or you know Facebook Marketplace or something, man. Just try to recoup some of my losses, but I said no moss to it. I can't do it, man. I, I, How much money do you think you spent on your equipment in your garage? Bro, I have I have five welders. I had a stick welder. I got five? a big Yeah. Five <laughs> I, I got to build my house for me, dude. <laughs> I, I I I just try so many things. You know, that's what I do. I just try so many things. I'm not scared to try something. Five well I gotta think, man, you probably dumped north of oh. 15 grand. North oh, of 50 yeah, grand? just for the welders, you know. Just I mean, for the welders. The welders, and, you know, I got all I got all kind of stuff in there. My tools, my toolbox, you know. My toolbox alone costs probably $8,000, you know. Just Wait a from, minute, you think you got 30 grand worth of stuff in your garage? No question about that. There's no question whatsoever about that. I mean, What's I have everything What's your wife say there. about all this? Well, she's not allowed in the, in the, um, in the garage. <laughs> if she goes in there, she just gets pissed and turns around and leaves back out. So, you know that, I mean? so like I let's see, hundred percent guarantee. Says <laughs> 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 uh, he's gonna build. Hey, no, no, man, he's building Iron Man. <laughs> he's gonna 
build Iron Man with all this, man. Actually, but it's, I me, it's dig fun, this man. You must have really enjoyed it and probably get away from everything in there yep. too. So this is like, see, I have my man. That's like your man cave is your garage. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Is it heated? Well, I put heaters in there. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking out. You know, oh, hold, hold on. You you installed heaters in. It's okay. So you you put heaters in the garage. Yeah, I mean, I I just went to you know Lowe's and got these the little um, electric heaters that you know that you know you can run. I, I hardwired them to the house. And I just turn them on, but I'm thinking I got to get the ones because I went in this garage the other day, and they have big ones from the top, and they and they and they like shoot the heat down at you. You know, it's like intense, you know, radiant heat. I'm like, I need one of those in my um garage. So <laughs> I looked into getting one, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I dude, mean, this is great to know about you, man. Yeah, hey, hey, BB's garage. You need right. anything fixed, man. You just bring that bitch <laughs> over there, man. He'll put you right behind. Hey, who put you right? There's two cars in line right now, but who put you out there? Oh, wait, the Mercedes too. You can move ahead of the Mercedes, right? That's awesome, man. My pops taught me that stuff, man. My pops. Hey, did can all you that, take man. an engine apart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can Have take you it done apart. it before? Yeah, I've put in engines. Um, I'm, I'm, I've done just about just about everything you can do to a car. I've done it, man. Replace the engine. I blew an engine out. How about transmission? It. I got issues with my transmission. Right. You ha- have you done that? Yeah, I actually had a um a, a '96 Impala, one of the long ones with the um, oh damn nice with the LT one in it. You know, with yeah. the jet engine in them. I had one of those you know, nice sitting on twenty twos, and you know, I blew the engine out of it. I put another one in it. You know, so and the transmission. I just beefed up the transmission. Also, I can't work inside the transmission. I don't do that. But I can, I can, I'll go buy a new one and put it, put it in there. <laughs> Dude, that's fantastic. I, I probably saved myself so much money, man, because I, I called Pep Boys and Pep Boys, and, hey man, how much you guys charge me to put in a front and back bumper? They said, um, after labor, uh, a little under seven hundred dollars. Seven hundred dollars. I'm bringing the bumper to you. I'm not buying the bumper. I'm bringing the bumper <laughs> to you. No, that's you know, labor. You know, it's labor intensive. So, man, I'm not. I'll do it myself. I see why they're charging seven hundred dollars, man. It's just one. Oh, it's it, another, oh, it's man. it's 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 a deal then, right? To yeah, get that man. bumper on. Yeah, you know, it's, it's what's it's the one biggest thing. issue you're falling into right now with that? Well, like I said, when I was putting this a plate that you had to put in up underneath that you put the winch in, and you know, winch for my uh, truck front of the front bumper, and like I said, evidently, you know, I hit something with my truck, so the uh, where the bumper lines up at, it's bent, so it won't allow me to put it up there. So I had to bang it out a little, uh, bang out the ends of it. And I had to weld it on instead of putting the screws on because the screws wouldn't line up in the holes. So I welded it on instead of, you know, screwing it on because I couldn't get the holes to line up. And I just got mad and said, you know what, man, F this. I'm going to go ahead and just weld it up myself. So I just welded it up, put some, <laughs> um, put some, uh, what do you call it, truck liner on it. And bam, I'm, I'm on my way now. So I'm on to the next part now. Then I would just wire my, uh, my, my lights up. Got the lights to turn on and off, you know, so I'm good with that. Got the winch to work. Now I just got to put the bumper on it, you know, now. I was going to do it before the show, but it got it was like 30 minutes before the show. I said, you know what? No, I got to at least come in and do at least 15, 20 minutes of prepping before I start the show, and that's what I did. Yeah, I love that. I just left man. it set out the front, and my neighbors hate me for it, too. They just too scared <laughs> to say something to me. Are you bang? Hey, is there in your neighborhood, so, like, you're, like, you're, like, all kinds of noise are coming out of that garage, like yes. every night, right? Yes. Every then, you're doing. How about this? Would it be fair to say you're doing something every week in that garage? Um, every day. 
Not every week, every day, every day. And, and it, hit, it hit me in the wintertime because I keep two of my boats in my yard. Like I have one on the side of the house and one in my driveway. I have the pontoon in the driveway and my uh, fishing boat on the side of the house. And I keep those there until the summertime, until, you know, the last week of April. Then I take them down to the dock where I keep them at, you know, but I'm not going to pay that, you know, with those boats. I'm not going to pay the, the, the storing costs. It's like two grand a storm. I can just put them in front of my house. They say, so they hate that. But then summertime, no, they run around. Then I take them out, and then they're good with me for at least six months until I bring them back. You know what I you mean? Got, you got, hey, you got a, yeah, you got a slit somewhere. Where's it? <laughs> what? You, you got, you got a, you got a boat slit somewhere where? You yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a, like I said, I'm, I'm a full fledged boater now, man. My boy T Fortuna got me involved with it, man. I keep, I keep a boat in his, um, in his, um. Marina, he on, you know, he's the uh, manager of the marina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I keep my boat. I keep my big boat down there. I was a, I was a fisherman with my grandfather, and this is get this what we did. So my grandfather was a lobster man and a fireman, and my grandfather spoke Italian and he spoke English. So this guy here was, I mean, for he was a fireman for thirty years. But what we did in the summer, my grandfather built these lobster pots. And we built, I would say, 250 lobster pots. Every year he would sell them. Then he would make them. Get this. He would, he would, he would cut the old inner tube tires and he would like the get glue, get bricks from old buildings, put a couple bricks in these lobster pots, and we would make these things in our backyard. Thousands of them. My pop would sell them for like 50 bucks a piece. Yeah, oh, he made a killing. Then we would get up for like I would say probably from April all the way until late October. My grandfather and I would go out on the lobster boat, and it wasn't really a big boat. And we pulled these bitches Barrett by hand. We pulled 250 lobster pods every other day. And my, my my pop made a lot of money, 30 grand in a summer in cash. Just pulling and getting these lobsters. We wow. fished for grouper. We fished for bluefish, blackfish. Scoongeels would be in here, man. So I used to go out with my pop. We Get this. I used to go clamming like this. Because out in Long Island Sound, they've got these movable, like, sandbars. Yeah, and yeah. And you, you go in them, and you got your feet. And I'm down there digging them up. I'm getting all these clams. My my pop and I would go get blue shell crabs. We would sell. We were total fishermen, man. I'd go from about like I said, I'd go from four o'clock in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon. And every time the lobster pots got stuck, it's like twenty five feet of water. My my grandfather'd go like this to me, "Hey, get the hell down there!" I'd have to dive <laughs> down there, Yo. and I'd have to loosen them up. But I never realized me holding my breath like that. That was part of my conditioning for my football and stuff and my sports because I was always in great shape lifting these lobster pots, diving down in there. Man, I I, I fished and did that probably for about thirteen years of my life. I did that with my grandpa. I was that's just crazy. Him, that's 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 probably the time of your life, man. I would have loved doing that. Oh, just you know, it's funny you say that, man. Remember you were talking about uh, Jimmy's um. Yeah, got uh, an Almorada. Well, look at this. He had a tournament. He has a tournament up yeah, here. Yeah, I've, I've been year. in it. Well, here I have. I, I got a you know thirty-eight foot boat. You know, thirty-eight foot Silverton. You know that I look like. But here comes Michael Jordan. He's fishing in a tournament. He's got an eighty-foot. Um, yeah, uh, eighty-foot yacht 
I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I kind of kindly turned my boat around and, <laughs> and parked it back in there. It man, his boat is so nice, man. I mean, yeah, so I, nice, I think bro. you could land a helicopter on it. Yeah, time. land a hel- everything, bro. Everything, man. They say he's the nicest guy in the world because you know, a couple of guys, you know, went down there and they saw him on the de- on the um, you know, on the dock. And he spoke to everybody, talked with everybody, smoked a cigar with these guys, you know, like it was nothing. No, I, I, I hear he's very approachable. He just doesn't do a lot of stuff like um, in the media. You never really see Jordan any longer. Right. He's right. a very private guy. Yep. Yeah, Jimmy puts on a tournament every year in South Florida. He's got, by the way, Barrett, he's got a place down there, uh, Jimmy Johnson's Seafood Place. It's something down there, and it's really great. I mean, you go down there, he puts his tournament on. And it's really set up for the kind of like the University of Miami guys because we're all kind of involved in it. But mm-hmm. it's a tournament that he puts on. Anybody, he invites Cowboy guys, every NFL guys, coaches play in this thing. It's really cool. You win prize money too. Wow. If you come back, we're like, hey, I know your boy's waiting for you to do it first. So I, I think you already <laughs> got an obligation where you're going to have to do this. So, I mean, but yeah, no, dude, listen, he's got – Jimmy rents out like I think I think I think he rents out like twenty boats. He's got a private, he's got a private plane that you know. You, what's really great is I I had on I had on David Hill who started Fox Sports and I had him on. The reason that Jimmy doesn't go back to L.A. any longer is because he worked it into his contract that he doesn't have to do the show every day from Los Angeles because Jimmy doesn't like to get on an airplane. Back when David Hill was running it, he had to show up. So Jimmy gets on his private plane, comes out to L.A. every now and then. But this guy, you should see the life he lives, man. He just he he, he fishes every day. He see, gets I- up in the morning, five o'clock. He's out till later. Comes back in. He don't Love like it. going anywhere except fishing. That's that's his life now. <laughs> well, you got to get me in, man. Get me in. Oh, well, no, in. you're in. No, you, get me in, dude. You're in. All right. I'm going to put it back on the rails here. I got killed for that Landon Dickerson thing. And I, I, I want to, I'm going to try to sell you on this. Xander thinks I'm full of shit. I'm going to, I'm going to try to sell you on this. I also want to ask you about Howie Roseman going into the draft here. Back in three minutes, big seals in for Harry Mays. Barrett Brooks, keep it here on the middle. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. 
That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Big Seals back on the media here with Bob Vila, aka Barrett Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate everybody chiming in with us. Yeah, as you could tell in the in the um, chat box, I got destroyed when oh, yeah, I brought up yeah. Landon Dickerson. But but wait a minute, Barrett, hear me out on this. You know, if you're going to land a player like Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, this is going to come with some pain here. Yes, Washington has thrown in. Reports are that they would throw Chase Young, first-rounders, and another player, and maybe more picks, to land Watson. They're going to go after him. So wait a minute. Washington reportedly will put up their best defensive guy, who's a young stud, who was a rookie defensive player of the year, but the Eagles won't put up Landon Dickerson. How much difference would it be in the offensive line's production? They would go down, but they would still be functional. Joe Burrow has shown us if you have a decent O-line, you can make the Super Bowl and you can get into it. The only thing I was trying to say is this. If you put up Dickerson and you got a 31st, and maybe you do this too, I'll tell you what I'll do. Here's what for here's what for Dickerson. Why don't you throw in T Higgins and you throw in the 31st pick. There's your number 2 wide receiver. You get another first round draft choice. You have 4 now. You send 3 to Houston for Deshaun and Hurts. You have created this, Barrett. You got Deshaun, a number 2 receiver and you still got a first rounder. I, I, you know what, I, I would have to do that. I'm not gonna lie, because once you put in T. Higgins and Watson now into the equation, because you're gonna need no less than three to get Correct. the show. 
and maybe a player, right? Yep, and maybe a player. And and possibly uh like a third rounder. Yeah. So uh you know also in, in as far as compensation for him. I mean, that would be that would be a, a good trade. That that's How about something this that would one. We Xander Xander brought this one up. Instead of Landon, how about a 32-year-old Lane Johnson whose contract is coming up? You send him – hey, and by the way, you know how I know you'd get a first-rounder and you might get a higher first-rounder for the guy? Get this. You know how I know you're going to get Trent Williams from Washington to San Francisco. The guy made the all-pro team. Yep. And he was 35 years old. And the 49ers still made that deal, sending picks back to Washington for him. And he and he he's he's gonna be a gold jacket guy. He'll be a he'll be a, he'll be a, a Hall of Famer. Trent? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think and he's, he's 35 years old. I think he's the best tackle in the game right now. Oh, there's no question about that. No question. No question. You 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 look at the tackles in the league right now. I'd have to whisper Trent. Probably number one. Then after that, it's kind of up in the air, you know, with Lane and Jordan Malata can be whispered in that same in that same conversation. Where do you put Orlando Brown? You know what? I, I don't think he's a top ten guy. I thought he was underwhelming this year in Kansas City. Very I underwhelming. Did. I thought yeah, he got his, I, I thought he I thought was he got too. his butt whooped a lot, man. Yeah, you know, I, I, I did. I thought he got I, I didn't think he had really that great a year. And I don't think he Trent goes out to San Francisco, dude. And that offensive line, man, they run you off the field. That 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 line is dominant. And with him in there, he reminds I'll tell you what, that Trent reminds me a lot of, of Larry Allen. There's that no big, question. Yep. You know, an, an imposing type guy. Okay. So again, I'm listen, I'm not throwing shade on Land, and I think he's a fabulous player. I think Lane's a fabulous player. But if you think you're gonna here and here's here's something else that the Eagles are fighting against as well. You're not that attractive for these big quarterbacks yet for me to want to come and play in Philadelphia. You don't have the weaponry that I need to win now. The only thing that I look at Philly and the NFC East, it's not gonna take a lot though for me to win that division because the division. It's in chaos a little bit. The Cowboys are in salary cap hell. They're either going to have to cut Zeke or they're going to have to deal with Amari because his deal's $20 million. Elliott against the cap is $18 million this year. Barrett, that team's in salary cap hell. The Giants are still trying to figure out who Absolutely. the hell they are. Yep. Yep. Washington is still a headless football team without a quarterback right now. you got chaos in the front office. Why would Deshaun want to do this? Why would I want to go from a crappy ownership in Houston to another crappy ownership in Washington? It just exactly. doesn't make – I mean, he wants to go where there's some stability. He wants to go he can win. And, of course, exactly, and, and win. So, to me, I get Deshaun and T. Higgins in the NFC. I'm sorry, man, but I think that puts me in the NFC championship game. Right, pretty damn close to it. You're absolutely right. Hold on. I'm, I'm looking at the stream. Hold on. Steve H., Come on, I said Barrett really tried to say Malata doesn't have killer instinct. And I'm, let me say it again. Jordan Malata does not have killer instinct. It's not in his nature to be a killer. Jordan Malata is six foot eight, 
380 pounds. Yes, he's an opposing athlete, but he does not have the killer instinct to want to go out and choke somebody. It's not in his nature. He'd rather sing and play the ukulele. He's just now getting to a point where he's an offensive lineman, a dominant offensive lineman. Once it clicks in his head that he can hurt people, that's when he'll become the guy with the killer instinct and they can go out there and ball day in and day out and be the best tackle in the league. Yes, I said, I'm going to say it again. You know, I think this is the worst take ever. What's no, the worst no, take? No, That's what Steve what, H just said. Let me, let me I, he said, you know what, too, by the way, that was brought up on the afternoon show, too, that you said the guy didn't have the killer instinct. And I, you know, you know what I would I would always tell people back this, you know why some people don't have and maybe they don't show killer instinct? It's because they're still learning the position. That's and absolutely they're not what it comfortable, is. And they're not comfortable in technique. I mean, you were telling me this. This guy didn't even know how to put a helmet on two years ago. Exactly. And all of a sudden, and sometimes, hey, the killer instinct, you know when that really comes? is when you're comfortable in what you're doing and you just think – and you, you don't even have to have your eyes open. You you know exactly where to go. You know what the feel is. You know, for me, when the guard moves this way or the tackle goes this way or there's a big separation, look back inside. Something's coming this way at you. There's always – you start to learn it becomes second nature to you. This guy's still learning how to play football yep. and put his cleats on. So – and because when I watch him play rugby, he's running mother effers over. Yep. He's, he's just running them over, Barrett. I mean, he was comfortable in that game. So maybe as he gets more comfortable playing the offensive tackle position, that's maybe what – we're saying here, and I don't want to put words well, we'll put in your mouth. Like that, that's when it comes where he will have that aggressiveness added into his game. Put it like this, Dan. When you're a big guy, that you know, we've been big guys, you're often told, hey, man, don't be a bully. Don't be this guy to be, you know, an a-hole. So a lot of the times you don't have that killer instinct because you because you can and because you're so big, you're, you're trying to fit in. Not to. Yes, you, you're always told not to. Well, just like you said also, when you learn the game, you know when somebody leaves, somebody's got to replace them. So instead of just waiting for somebody to play like on a stunt, he could pass a stunt off, get a stunt to the to the guard, and come around and wait for the end to come to him. When I say killer instinct, you're not waiting for that end to come to you. You're going to get that end of him in the mouth. A lot of times he doesn't finish plays. Now he finished the play to the whistle blows, and that's it. It's still a good block. But how about take you know take that block? and shove the guy on the ground, then hit him when he's on the ground. Those are all things that can be done within the framework of the game, but it it, it, it sets that that it, it sets that attitude like, all right, I'm not to be played with. He doesn't play like that yet. Just like Eric Williams. Eric Williams, every time he took a pass set and he would grab Mamula, he would headbutt Mamula twice, bam, bam, and throw him down. That's a tempo set. That's him being an a-hole and setting the tempo. Mamula hated playing against Eric because he knew Eric was so physical. That's what I'm talking about as far as not having a killer instinct. So, T. Steve H., because you don't know, you lack the wisdom of understanding what it is, what I meant by being a physical dominating type of player with killer instinct. That's what killer <laughs> instinct, taking it above beyond to make sure you know you shouldn't be on the same field as me. You shouldn't be out here. You shouldn't even put a helmet on. When you come to play me, I'm going to finish you every single play. I'm going to make sure I throw you down every single play, headbutt you. I mean, whatever it takes. I want you to get off this field. When you get off this field, you're going to take a long shower. You're going to think about whether you want to play this game or not next week because I did beat the snot out of you. 
Vascular you know what, Barrett? I did a rant like that on my my show in um, Miami on WQAM. I opened my show, and it's one. It's considered one of the greatest rants of all time because, but get this, the media. What you just said is so correct. You're 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 metaphorically thinking like this. I'm gonna take fucking knives and stab you in the face if I have to, to win a game. I'll cut your throat. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? People looked at that as verbatim, and they looked at me like I was insane because I go, I want to see some god dang, I want to see some heart. Kick him in the balls. Punch him in the face. Do something. Show me you care. I'm doing that. And I'm trying to show you the mentality that you have to have. Exactly. When you're in the pits playing ball like that, bro, that headbutt, I'll tell you this, man. Uh, I had Ray Donaldson do that to me. I had never had anybody <laughs> put a headbutt on me like that. He dropped me to my knees, man. Oh, that's just exactly what he did to Mamula. Yep. Exactly me. I had never had that happen. Bang. Boom! I go right there. Jackie Slater did that shit to me, too. And I was like, <laughs> man, when they drop those 10-gallon heads on you, man, Jackie Slater, that ain't a, hey, that ain't a eight head. That's about a 12 <laughs> helmet. I mean, you could bail water in that thing, man. And he hit you with that thing. I mean, it's man. Say, and it's not to say because he doesn't have the killer instinct yet that he's a bad player. No, no. no. He, he's still a great player. He's still a guy that's out there, and he'll probably grade 98%, 94%. On, on, on every play. But when but you, that last percent is what gets you the gold jacket. Yeah. When you're finishing the play and when you're taking a guy and you make him quit, you know what I'm saying? That's when that's when you know you you you, you played your game. When you've made a guy quit that doesn't want to play, man, I'm, I'm done with this, man. I'm a hey, coach. My shoulder hurts. That's when you know you have that killer instinct. When you just make a guy say no mas. That's killer instinct. It's the difference between killer instinct and, and playing a great game. You can play a great game, but why not play a great game with killer instinct where you're making a guy quit? Make you 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 making him contemplate retiring? That's when you know you're that dude. That's let when you know you, you're me, a dominating me, player. To Barrett's point, when an offensive line gets 200 yards rushing on a defensive line, let me tell you something how you're feeling. All right. You're sitting <laughs> over here like this. Like you, you, you start to do this, man. And I've only had that happen once. And you're sitting there and you're going like this, man. Man, they got 238 yards rushing on us, man. And it's only the third freaking quarter. We can't stop. Holy yeah. shit. It's like having your arm tied behind your back playing one hand because you can't do anything about it. I always tell people this. I'd rather have a team throw for 500 yards on me than run the ball for 230 yards on me because – Dude, there's nothing you can do. You get three and outs, and you can get a chance to get back in a ball game. How many times have you seen a team throw for 400 yards, Barrett, and lose? Teams that run for 200 yards, they barely lose those games because right. <laughs> you, you own field position, you own time of possession, you own everything. There's nothing you can do That's the most about demoralizing a great running attack. You're right. That's the most demoralizing thing to a defense is the ability to run the ball and they can't stop. There's nothing they can do. They know the run is coming and they can't do anything about it. Just like on a, just like on an offensive line, when you can't stop the bleeding, when when you when you got a player that's, you know, you cannot block him no matter where he goes, where he is, he's always a, I played in a game once where we played against uh it, it was 
I think we were in Philly. We played against Derek Thomas. Derek, well, no matter what we did, we could not block Derek Thomas. He'd line up on the right side. He'd line up on the left side. He'd line up in the middle. He, he'd be dropped back. He'll come in and blitz from off the – he lined up where he wanted to – and he put – I think he had like four sacks in just one game, man, against us. Nothing we could do to stop the bleeding, man. And that's the worst thing an offensive line could go through because we can't protect this guy. There's nothing we can do to protect this guy. We got to turn around and throw three-step drops for the entirety of the game, three and outs, because this guy is making things happen like that. There's only a few players that can dominate a game like that. Like Reggie? There's, if once he made his mind up that he was going to finish you, there's nothing you could do about it. Was he good against the run? <laughs> He was good against everything. If he didn't feel like moving from that spot, he was there, nothing you could do would move him from that spot. You think he was better inside or outside? I think he was better inside. Me too. I always thought he was better over the guards and he was better inside, but I could see I understand why they moved him out wide as he got older. It's less traffic out there for him yep. to have to deal with. Because there's more chance of an injury inside, you know, when you Nick got the big bodies in there. Let me tell you, man. Let me tell you a story, bro. We're playing against Reggie. First of all, this is like September. And we're running the Rockets. Him and Big Gilbert Brown on our side. Oh, man. Gilbert. Now, for folks out there, Gilbert's about 335. Yeah, the grade digger. Big Gilbert. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we're playing against Big Gilbert, man. And um, we're just you running the Rockets. played against him in college? He went to yep. Kansas. I, went, I played against the college, too. Him and uh, Dana Stubblefield. Yeah, Dana Stubblefield. That's right. Uh, you know, from out there. Uh, Mama Long, Chris Mamalanga also. He yep, played with yep. the Giants. But um, we're playing them, and we're running sweep left and sweep right. We're Because we're not passing the ball a lot. Ricky Waters and Charlie Garner have the game of their life. We're running stretch plays, and we're just running the rock, and we don't have to pass play. So, at the time, I'm playing right tackle, and I'm playing against Reggie. And my right guard was Jerry Kraft. Now, Jerry Kraft was six foot seven. About 360, 370 Former pounds. Former teammate of mine. He played with the Bills for a little bit, too. Yeah, he did. You know, Big Creamy? They yeah, you know what? Creamy. He, he, he played in the World League um, yep. for the Orlando Thunder with me on that team with Dunbar. So, I know Jerry Kraft. He got another opportunity to play, and he played in the NFL a little bit. Yeah. Yep, Big Creamy. So, we're playing. The year before, he was in Green Bay. So, he knew everybody he was playing against. And as we're playing, he's cussing up a storm. Oh, we killing you. And he started cussing Reggie. I'm like, yo, you know, walk around. Oh, uh, my boy Brooks is killing you. He's killing you, Reggie. He's kicking your ass. He's just cussing him out. I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm glad. Yo, man, you, I'm playing <laughs> yeah. against him. You're not. You know, I'm playing against him. Shut wow. up, man. You know? So we're walking back to the huddle. So Rodney P hears him too. He's like, hey, man, shut up, man. Stop talking. <laughs> Period. Stop talking. So we walk back to the huddle. He's still cussing. Come out the next play. Boom, we run the ball again. He starts cussing again. And Reggie, Reggie, now, and he, Reggie turned around and said, no. Now, Jerry, I'd have told you to stop all that cussing. Stop all that cussing. That's how he talks. He said, oh, man, F you, Jerry. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, not Jerry, but oh, F you, uh, Reggie. I ain't worried about you. F you, Reggie. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So we go back to the huddle. What do you know? We got a seven-step drop. Ready? Two jet, all go on one. Ready? Break. A shot play. I'm like, oh, my God. So we get to the line. As soon as we get to the line, Reggie said, uh-huh, uh-huh, I told you. So he goes out, hey, hey, big digger, hey. Great, dude. Going out. You go out and play ta- uh, in. I'm going to go and play tackle. So he gets to the line. He puts his hand out. He said, Jerry, I'm coming, Jerry. Jerry, I'm coming. And I'm bringing the Lord with me. Bruh, as soon as the ball was snapped, I stood up and turned around and looked. 
Big Gilbert Brown, he turned around, he stopped, he turned around, look. Reggie picked Jerry Craft up, six foot seven, 360, 370 pounds, walked him back like four yards and threw him at Rodney P. Landed right on Rodney P. Right on him. I'm like, yo, Rodney P's got the ball. And he sit down there. Jerry, get your big ass off me. I told you to shut up. You should have said nothing to him. From that yeah. point on, he was quiet as a church mouse for, <laughs> for the rest of the game. Uh, he didn't say two words the rest of the that game. That is bro. classic, man, because Jerome used to always you – know, here's a really freaky story about Reggie. You're going to – this is – Jerome told me this story in, like, massive religion, massive. And a, just a really humble guy, too. If you ever round him, you know him. He's humble. Dude, this guy talked in the tongues. Yeah. <laughs> he was sleeping. He would like, like, he would just talk. Jerome said they'd go by his room. Speaking said, in tongues. Yep. Mm -hmm. Speaking in tongues and stuff, man. He was so super religious, man. Religious. And what a ball. Dude, that hump play, I, I tell you this, it's the greatest pass rush move in the history. Of almost pass unstoppable, rushes. man. I'm telling you, it's almost unstoppable because he, he gets you going one day and then he just humps you. He <laughs> told you like that. You ever had that happen to you? Because he yes. did it to Nate. Yeah, he did it to Nate. He did it to you, you uh, Larry must, Allen. And that happens to you. You must just go like this. I can't fucking believe it, bro. Because you, because you, you you're a huge down dude. Yes, you know I'm saying you're sitting down and you know it's coming. You can't stop it. Or he'll come in like this. Like he gonna he gonna hump you like this, and he'll come like this. As soon as he come like this, you try to sit down on it, and he'll take it and rip it out and swim past you like that. So he act like he's gonna hump you. Boom, and the same old swim you. Damn. And you've sat down on that hump leg, and all of a sudden he's yeah. swimming over on your back and going his way to the quarterback. And Once he, he got your feet stopped, he had you, right? It, but it didn't matter if your feet were stopped, <laughs> if you had them planted, if if you were moving. It just didn't matter, man. He was just that imposing of a player, man. I, I tell people all the time, man, that grown man strength. You know when you were grabbed by a grown man when you were a young kid? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what he made you feel, bro. But he was the nicest you, you guy know. in the world. You know, Barrett, there's guys sometimes, man, you know, and I and my daughter's seeing this now in rugby. You know, she's like, Dad, this guy's really – this person's really big. And I go, you'd be shocked. Some of them big people you could pick and throw in on their heads. There's some people, though, that, man, they're just like a tree stump or a yep. fire hydrant, and you know that man strength. When they get them grips on you, hey, man, I, I'll tell you, about offensive linemen in the NFL, by the end of the year, let me show you this, my neck – and right here is black and blue. Yep. <laughs> and I'll tell you, what would happen is the offensive linemen would get their hands inside and your jersey goes against your neck. And they, man, by the end of the time, you look like you got hickeys. And yep. <laughs> here, if you don't have your jerseys tied down and you don't have that reverse tape on and you don't have stuff, I used to put all kinds of shit on my, my uniform, man. Yep. I used to have <laughs> gel and silicone and everything put on here. And by the end of the year, man, your entire breastplate here is black and blue because the old lineman coming in here just doing this all year long and pounding on you, man. I mean, the, the offensive linemen that played in that league, man, the hand strength they had. Bro. They could rip helmets. They could rip face masks off their yeah. helmets, man. Bro, I, I, play, I played against, you know, just like going against, um, you know, guys that just want to grab you in here. You, have, yeah. you actually have arm marks where – me got bruise marks where people have grabbed you right here. You oh, know? yeah. 
And I'm a black dude, you know what I'm saying? So you know if I, if I show bruising, you know, there's some deep bruising, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the deep bruising, bro. You know, like Strahan, Strahan, when he played you, he'll come at you like this, and then he'll grab the outside of your shoulder. Your shoulder pads right there? Yeah. Yeah, you're muted. There we go. There so you go. Right here on the back of your shoulder pads, and then he take it, and he use it to pull himself by. And he like pulls away, and he'll go away from you, and then go and able to turn the corner like that. I mean, he's a he was a great. You know the hardest guy to really play against. I don't know if you remember, him. Jumpy Gathers. Oh my God, he played. He was he played in Green Bay. Yep, that's the strongest dude I ever played against, man. Jumpy Gathers. I saw him rip six um, four. Was he like six four something like yeah. that? His brother, I mean, his uh, his son actually played in the league also. But Jumpy, man, Jumpy was so strong. That I see, I, I saw him one time. He had this move called the forklift. He'll come up to you like this, and he'll put his arm around you right here, and take his hand and put it in your chest, and he lift you up like this, and he have you in the air, and he pass rushing you like this. Like he couldn't get off on a lot of blocks and stuff when he had you like this. Yeah, but he would. But he was collapsing the pocket. Collapse. That's all he wanted to do is collapse the pocket. Well, I saw him do it against Steve Everett, uh, center, our center, yeah. ripped his pec muscle. All my pressure ripped his pack muscle. Yeah, man. He, this dude was strongest guy I ever saw play, man. I remember one time I was a down blocking him, and when I when I was going to down block him, he looked at me like this, and he saw me coming down. Bruh, he hit me, dog. Almost, you know, he probably he probably made my neck go from here to like this. He probably just <laughs> crinkled up my body, man. Yeah. That's the way I felt, man. Strong, man. That, that guy was like hitting a rock. That's wow. how strong and you know thick hey, this guy was. One of the toughest injuries I ever saw. This guy named Gerald Riggs was the leading rusher in the NFL. He played for the Falcons. We're in the we're it's raining. It's old Fulton County Stadium. We're in the mud. You know, back in the day, you know, we played in the multi-surface uh, stadiums like you played where baseball was and football. So we're in the mud, right? This guy comes through, and I had never seen anything like this. Barrett, this guy comes through, and through his sock. This bone comes through like this. Oh, and I, and I went. This guy had eighteen. This guy had like 50, 1,600 yards a year before. Led the league in rushing. And I'm like this. What is that? And hey, I had never gotten sick in my life. But this guy's <laughs> bone was stay. It was his shin sticking through, and it had cracked like this, gone through oh. the sock. And I had never seen a human bone before. Whitest thing I ever, like a piece of chalk that was coming through. And I sat there and I, I remember Irv Randall. That's John Randall's brother. And he's going, man, this bitch is a tough business, man. Oh. This is a tough business. That's a, that's the toughest injury. And it was like this, dude. His bone was through this guy's shin and through his sock. And I looked out and it's raining. We're covered in mud. And I'm like, and this thing's the whitest thing on the field. Oh. And I'm looking down and I go, is that his bone? And I went, <laughs> people are going, lightweight, keep Van Horn's going, or uh, Jeff Van Horn's going, Jeff Van Note is going, hey, man, that's a softy over there. I looked down, man, that's the toughest injury I ever saw. Oh. Is that guy blowing his leg out like that? Crazy, bro. It's crazy. Dude, man. that's a tough game, isn't it, man? A tough love game. It. Love it, though, man. Love it, man. Would love you it. do it all again the same way? Absolutely. In fact, I do it. I do it differently. Uh, just for my intensity, you know, because I was a better athlete. 
than most guys, I think I'd have played more intensely, more of a killer instinct. You know, I'd have started really getting that killer, killer instinct to like, like year three or four. But but you know that's kind of what you're talking about with Milada. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't exactly. you? Okay, exactly. aren't you saying that exactly? So when you're that's coming exactly from that, you're coming from that place where you think Milada is right now, yep. right? It, that's exactly what it was. I thought I was I, – I, I just thought I was a better athlete and had quicker feet than everybody, so I could just – I was like a dancing bear. Instead of be, being a dancing bear, I wanted to be a mauling bear. So I had to change my game up and become a mauler instead of a – and it, it, all, it was all because of Eric Williams. I was talking to Mamula. He said, hey, man, you need to watch some film on Eric Williams. And I watched film on Eric Williams, Jackie Slater, and watched how intense they were in the way they played the game. You know what I'm saying? and rough. Yep. Exactly. So once okay. I saw that, I said, yeah, that's that's the way I want to play. So I changed my game from that point on and played more physical than being more of a, a an athletic type of offensive lineman. You know, and I think that's why I played 12 years as opposed. I think if I just kept doing what I was doing, I'd have probably been out the league earlier. Huh. But since I went to that intense game and more physical game, like when you cut, if you cut me, you cut me because you were just being a prick. It wasn't as though I wasn't the best offensive lineman on the team, or I was I was top five on all the teams I was playing on. You know, even though if, even if I wasn't starting, I was still top five, or they wouldn't have had me on the team, especially an old guy and the amount of money I was making. You know what I'm saying? But because I was just a tough guy and I was just a tough SOB who knew what I was going to do, I I knew my playbook. I was always in shape. I was always ready to rock and roll, so they could trust. I played because they knew if they put me in at any point, I don't care what's going on, they knew I was going to go out there and kick somebody's ass, and they loved that. Loved oh, man, I, 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 that's exactly the mentality that I'm trying to get into my daughter right now, and it's the same thing that you're talking about with Milad, and I think it's great advice. I don't care what anybody says. I think that's great advice, and I think Jordan Milada should take that advice. Get your position down, understand the technique, then you start implementing that killer instinct here. I'll tell you what, dude, me and you just talk ball. We talk shop. We yeah. talk about your garage. <laughs> we got everything rolling. Hey, man, I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun there, man. I mean, I think we could go on for hours and hours. Right. <laughs> I'm going to have Meryl Resign with me a little bit in the afternoon, so I'm going to talk to the tell legendary. Tell what's up, man. I definitely will, man. Till tomorrow, right? Yes, tomorrow, baby. We got it, man. See you on the flip side. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. 
That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.